Hey, Sean, how are you doing? Hey, Daniel, I'm doing well. Um, a little upset that Summer League is over. It doesn't That means we don't have actual basketball games for about two months now. And with the Olympics and the league season being a little later than usual, we, we had a lot more basketball than usual this summer. So it's going to feel a little weird not to have this, any games in our lives for a little bit. I was hoping you would react more starkly to that because I tried to ambush you. I didn't do the hello, everybody. I thought, like, you know, I'm going to save it for today. Maybe he'll just be weirded out by the fact that <laughs> the same intro I've done for over a year on this podcast, I'm not going with. Um, before we get started, you want to hear something crazy that happened to me last night? I guess I'm talking to you, both you and the listener right now. Uh, that's why we're here, Daniel. We're, exactly. We are here here to hear what happened to you last night. Although, so you're, you're, you're living out... Um, you're not living in the Philadelphia area uh, anymore, correct? No, I am a State College area resident now, okay. as, of, as of the summer. So we were getting a flash flood last night in the greater Philadelphia area. Um, like the loudest thunder I had heard in a while. Like our dog was freaking out just really loud all night. It, it, it was at times shaking the tables that I was like working on to the point where you're like, okay, I know it's not an earthquake, but it kind of feels like it. Then at like around 1.30 a.m., super loud lightning strike. You can hear like I saw the blue flashes like near outside our house. Our whole house shakes. It knocks the lights out and some of the power out downstairs and knocked out our Wi-Fi for a good like eight hours, which just randomly last night. And then like it was also the again, the flooding. Me and my brother had, like put towels down in the basement, and everything to keep stuff from totally getting soaked. I mean, it was crazy. So. Yes, I did survive. <laughs> Good to hear. Does your does your dog have one of those Thunder Buddy jackets? He to, does. To... He does not. What, what is a Thunder Buddy jacket? This is important content. Uh, yeah, it's well, it's like a swaddling jacket, kind of like that dogs have because, as as you know, dogs are very often freaked out during thunderstorms or mm -hmm. fireworks or any anything like that, like loud noises around them. Um, so yeah, there's there's this product and it's just basically like a swaddling jacket to kind of like comfort them while while a storm or fireworks or whatever is going on um yeah so maybe, maybe something to look into maybe that could help see we don't go out and buy that stuff we just give him the actual blankets we have and swaddle him <laughs> in that because we we love him and he's just he's very easy to give into uh no he's terrified by thunder he hates the fourth of july because he has the same reaction to fireworks um Whenever there's like a big storm or fireworks, he'll go up to like, it'll be me, my dad, my mom, anyone really. If they have a desk, he'll hide under the desk. He just really does not like loud noises that much. Yeah. So something to consider out there, people, if you're doing fireworks on a non-holiday late at night. Or or if you're a stupid <laughs> thundercloud, you know, <laughs> shut up. Or or if you are Zeus God of Thunder, be considerate <laughs> of the dogs. <laughs> Should we talk about the fact that Joel Embiid got a contract extension, or do we want to keep going with dog talk? No, speaking of dogs, Joel Embiid is signed to a Supermax extension. Um, yeah, let's let's talk about how great Joel Embiid is. Uh, I believe he's now one of eight players that have received a Supermax extension in the NBA since they instituted that a few years back. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I love that he didn't have an agent and he just signed it himself. I like to imagine him and Daryl hashed out the details on the tennis court from, from that infamous, or not, not even infamous, just that delightful 
tennis picture that was on social media last week. Um, yeah. So he basically said, give me as much as you can give me. The team said, okay. And here we are. Um, it sounds like the best negotiation ever. <laughs> I, I, you know, Sean, one day me and you should both like negotiate contracts with some company like that. Like, just give me all of the money that you can. And it's just a, it's just agreed upon by both sides. This is the best thing that both of us can do is to give me all of the money. Yeah, that, that's a great position to be in. Um, it, it's weird. It is weird that you couldn't do that in other industries because the NBA has this artificial cap. So you read the studies about how star players, even with these max contracts, they're still underpaid. Like, John, oh, are, are you saying, saying we should ask SB Nation 500 million each? <laughs> that's a good starting point. Yeah, I, I feel like there's a middle ground we could maybe reach between what we get now and, and that, that figure. Um, may, maybe future negotiations. No, mid- I don't... No, no middle ground. The ceiling is the roof. <laughs> uh, maybe that's what MJ used in his negotiations back in the day with uh, with Nike and everyone else. Um, and when the Jumpman brand was launched, uh, yeah, I I don't think this was a surprise. The, the team has pretty much been intertwined with Joel Embiid since he joined the program. He he literally is the process. He adopted the nickname that that now represents this phase of the Sixers franchise. And he was the MVP runner up last year and he played exceptionally well through a torn meniscus in the postseason last year. Just that's a guy that you build your franchise around. And so not only does this ensure that he will be with the team through the next half decade, but it also potentially signals to the Damian Lillard and Bradley Beal of the world that, hey, this team is going to continue to be good for the foreseeable future. We have this franchise cornerstone that will significantly raise the floor for this team's success each season and come join him. And together you can be a true title contender. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this this was good. It's good that the two sides came to terms and it seemed very cordial and everyone seems happy with it. And that's exactly what you want. You want to have a superstar and you want them to be happy and you want the team to be happy that he's here. And the fan base loves Joel, as we all know, like there's just all good vibes around this. This is a question I think that I should ask you because you definitely know better than me. Um, I mean, it was obvious that something like this was probably going to happen because just how 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 good of a basketball player Embiid is, how much he's beloved in the city. There Again, there was no one saying, like, when this news was announced, it was just kind of like, yeah, that's what we thought would happen eventually. Um, how close is Embiid, or if he's already passed, like, to, like, like reaching Iversonian status in the city is, like, how people view him? Because, I mean, again, I was too young to really fully experience Iverson. I was just there for the tail end of it. But Embiid, like, I... I know personally, like as someone who's been just a Philly sports fan the past, like like a very dire fan the past ten years, and beat has definitely meant more to me, and then and probably to like me and my other Philly sports fan friends than any other athlete. Uh, so two things I, I would say has to occur. Um, one would be th- there would have to be at least a finals appearance 
um, I Iverson dragging that O one team to the NBA Finals and his iconic moment stepping over Ty Lue in the, in the Lakers final series that that took it to a whole nother level. If, if they had just been kind of what the Sixers have been to this point, this current iteration of the Sixers have been to this point where, you know, good team generally near the top of the standings, making the playoffs every year, but like flamed out in the, the second round of the playoffs. I don't think like Iverson would still be remembered as one of like the coolest players of his era, but I don't think the fan base would have adopted this like iconic hero worship status. With okay. Him. I definitely understand what you're saying in terms of how he's perceived. Would you agree with me that Embiid is a better basketball player than Iverson? Cause I'm pretty confident in that statement. Yeah, I would say so. Um, okay. His, his, he, he just, he does it on both ends, which Yes, you know, I, Iverson as a generously listed six foot guard who, you know, <laughs> admittedly, his, admittedly was quote was like one of, one of his famous quotes when asked why he doesn't lift to get stronger and maybe help his bears was weights are too heavy. <laughs> yeah, that that yeah that those are heavy. Uh, like why? Which is you know phil philosophically it makes a lot of sense, but <laughs> as a guy who. Uh, physical acumen is a big part of his profession <laughs> that that that's something else um but yeah so Embiid's a guy that does it on both ends he seems to have a lot easier time of it just because he's such a dominant like physical specimen being this giant who is athletically also very fluid and graceful in a lot of ways whereas part of the appeal of Iverson was it looked like he was this underdog me against the world thing where you were just kind of amazed, like how does he continue to do it? And like possession after possession, like just keeps coming back and his relentlessness, like all of that was built into the, the Iverson appeal. Um, where, whereas Embiid in, in a lot of ways, it's like efficiency and effortlessness and gracefulness with, with what he's able to do in the court. Um, I mean, we've only seen a few seasons of Embiid at this kind of peak level. Um, so I, I would say he, he would have to stay healthy and, and have at least a few more of these upper echelon type years before I could definitively say that. But um, yeah, I think like just extrapolating what we've seen from Embiid for a few more years, I, I, I'm confident saying he's the better basketball player. Yeah, what you say about just Iverson being easier to resonate with because, I mean, even though they are both athletically much different than all of us, Iverson being that size, you can at least kind of conjure up in your head that, oh, he does these things like I could do them. Just, it doesn't see it feels impossible, whereas you see him beat and you just realize hardly anyone on the planet looks like he does. Or seven foot, 280 pound monsters with just incredible physical gifts. Uh, you did mention M like Embiid staying healthy in there. That's probably something we should mention that in the contract he signed, unlike his last one, there are no like injury safeguards in this one. If you remember, yes. you remember yeah. specifically that his last big contract specifically said he had to cross X number of games, or if he didn't cross X number of games, Sixers did not have to pay this amount of money. That is not on this deal. Yeah, he got he got the full guarantee. He he got the player option for the last year. Um, which is all kind of the the standard boilerplate give the player everything they want that that's what this is 
Um, yeah, you're right. But, you know, he's it, it's a different situation than when Brian Colangelo and company signed him to that previous extension. Back then, it was Embiid had played about two years, which were very much injury riddled. Um, and we hadn't seen like an all NBA appearance or, or this kind of top level performance. And since then, he's been, you know, he's still battled injuries, but he's he's hovered around like 60 games a year. He hasn't been out for an entire season or anything. Um, and he's been the MVP runner up now and he's performed outstandingly well in the playoffs for a couple of years. So it's just a different situation. Um, and you're at the point now where his body of work just puts him in a position where he was able to, to have better leverage than he did back then. And, uh, you know, that I think it was smart that I hate, I hate to praise Colangelo for anything, but I think it was smart that he was able to negotiate that into the previous deal. And, you know, it was, it was good that Joel, that, that, that didn't come into play, that he stayed relatively healthy and was still able to hit the benchmarks and, you know, get the money that he had coming to him. Do you think that Embiid ends up staying with the Sixers for his whole career, which I mean, is obviously projecting a long way down the road, but is, even though that's rare in like the modern NBA to see a player stay with a team throughout his entire career. I mean, I think Embiid's already getting up there probably as one of the longer tenured members of a single team. It's been well documented how notably he is the longest tenured sixer at this point. And I mean, only like probably the only other guys in the NBA who are more thought of as like tied to their one team through their whole career are the players in the Warriors and a few other guys. Um, just what, what are the odds you think Embiid could have a type of career like that? I think they're pretty good. Um, he's been very outspoken about how appreciative he is that the franchise in his words took a chance on him um taking him third in the draft when you know there was there were concerns about his back and his knee um coming out of out of college uh so the fact that he has this kind of love affair with the city and he he seems to really get the Philadelphia fan experience um, in a way that not everyone does looking at you, Danny green, um, where he, he understands how critical the fan base can be at times, but he understands the the passion and the desire for greatness that kind of goes hand in hand with that. And, and he seems willing to, you know, put in the work and, and reach the levels that the fan base wants him to. And, you know, being, being the ultimate, showman that he is uh that has played well with with the fan base um and you know he's a guy that he he doesn't go to la every summer to work out um he he's going down the shore the jersey shore with his family for quick vacation he's running the streets of philadelphia he's playing tennis near drexel he's you know he's around like he, he he totally seems like a guy that this is his home um so i don't think that given the fact that the franchise is willing to give him as much money as they can, I don't see any reason why he would be like, have a wandering eye or want to go elsewhere. Like, could, could he have the, the Hakeem Olajuwon in a Raptors Jersey or, or Ewing in a, in a Sonics Jersey, like one year to end his career? Yeah, maybe. But I, I definitely think, you know, when his career is over and people think of Joel Embiid, the, the only significant jersey that comes to mind is going to be a Philadelphia 76ers jersey. 
as soon as you said the Embiid's happy the Sixers took a chance on him, I thought of that, uh, what is that, Abbasson, take a chance on me, and it's just the lyrics <laughs> are going through my head right now. Honey, I'm still free. <laughs> take a chance on me. Like, it was just like playing in the back of my head the entire time. I was <laughs> listening to you, though. I Trust me. <laughs> um, well, maybe maybe we'll hear Joel sing that at karaoke someday. That would be... He, he, would, definitely, he would definitely be willing to sing. And be... <laughs> I mean, again, we can't rule out anything for Embiid on the quarter off. He is that confident and that talented in everything that he does. Like he seeing how he can watch something on YouTube or watch old basketball clips and within a few months of working on it, suddenly he's a master at it. I mean, you know, that's he, that's he could like his the Sixers were lacking some off the dribble shot creation, so he got so he just got better at it like this past year. Yep. <laughs> just flat out. Like some he went from we did at six most teams were happy if MB took jump shots, which I'm still sure they think it's generally the better option to near 40% three-point shooter and one of the better mid-range shooters in the entire NBA in just one season. It was pretty incredible. Yeah. And and he he worked on the Dirk one-legged shot and suddenly like that's an unstoppable thing for him to go to now uh just yeah he he is a a guy that can really absorb information and kind of implement it right away so i have i have no doubt that whatever joel Embiid would set his mind to doing he could do it pretty quickly and then and then be extremely proficient at it so um you know maybe someday we'll see that on on the karaoke floor yes sir uh let's move on to some end of the roster uh machinations that have gone the past few days as you said the summer league came to a close and sixers adjusting their roster toward the back end um fan favorite rajon tucker has been waived did not have a long time in philadelphia but certainly will be remembered by some fans um okay we're gonna do some i'm gonna throw you some questions your way you ready sean i'm ready yeah over under games play rajon tucker played with the sixers this is regular season games with the actual 76ers, not with the blue coats, not in the summer league, just regular season games last year. Over under 13 and a half. Under. 14 games total, so <laughs> incorrect. Uh, I, I was going to say like seven. So yeah, I was, I was kind of off on that one. Over under 30 total points scored in those 14 games. 30? 30. 30. Uh, under. He had 34 points. Oh, man. Over two, Sean. We're now Rajon Tucker obviously did not have a lot of non garbage time possessions in, in the Sixers regular season. But in the ones that he did, what do you think his, do you think his net rating was positive or negative? Uh, I'd say it was probably positive given that, you know, garbage time usually means that. The benches are, have been cleared. Yeah, these are non-garbage time possessions. Oh, non-garbage time possessions. That's how cleaning the glass tracks it. He he played non-garbage time possessions? According to cleaning the glass, <laughs> he did. I, I don't recall these. Um I don't I don't know. I I guess I'll say positive. I'll stick with positive, but I, I can't recall a non-garbage time possession that Ray John Tucker played for the Sixers. According to Clean the Glass, he had 57 non-garbage time possessions, but he was minus set. The team was minus seven per 100 in those, so he dropped to over three. Um, although there was a plus 47.4 per 100 lineup that only got 18 possessions of run. Do you want to guess who the? There were four <laughs> other guys who came off the bench. Um, well, maybe, 
Actually, you know, I should probably just tell you this. I mean, don't want to have to, I guess. The, his lineup was Tyrese Maxey, Isaiah Joe, Paul Reed, and Anthony Tolliver, plus 47.4 per 118 possessions. So it was the Blue Coats plus Maxey and Tolliver. So, Basically. Yeah. Uh, I, I vaguely recall something like that happening. Um, I, I think I think I just blocked out all Anthony Tolliver minutes. Oh man! Now Ray John, like I think it made sense why the move was made. If you watch, he's a very fun player to watch. Like as everyone knows, just incredible athlete vertically. Really, like most people wanted him kept on the Sixers because they thought he would have a chance to win the dunk contest if he was allowed to participate. And he could occasionally hit a catch and shoot three. It's really just that as a guard, he did not do a lot with the ball in his hands once once he made once he went down to dribbling it was usually either he might lose the ball or he was missing open passing lanes and if you're a guard where passing is not really a strength of yours like it's hard to trust you with making decisions with the ball in your hands it's just then very hard to play like I, I would think very different players but another guy is Frank Mason who was playing for the summer league team who's a very good shooter and has some good finishing chops but he gets a little too like um I'm trying to think what the right word is like he gets tunnel vision toward the rim sometimes where just thinking, I thinking all the time, how do I drive and score? How do I drive and score? Instead of, you know, drive and kick, manipulate this pick and roll and look for this role. Or like, I, I think it makes sense. I hope it makes sense. What I'm saying that just as a guard who is not like big enough that they can just score at will, you really do need to have some passing chops in order to make it in the NBA, like to a rotation. Yeah. Or, or be a, a knockdown spot up shooter. So yeah, Tucker not having uh, like ball handling playmaking ability and he doesn't shoot the ball particularly well. He only shot uh, 28% with the Sixers and 30% in Delaware from three last year. Um, yeah. So offensively, he's not doing anything to help you aside from finishing alley-oops and yeah, defensively he had the good measurables and athleticism to, to be a to project project as a good perimeter defender, but yeah, he just wasn't didn't show enough dominance on that end to to make up for the fact that he offensively he wasn't really bringing anything to the table. I think I mentioned it. I might have mentioned it last week on the pod. The one possession where Sharif Cooper got him on a pump fake. He very clearly grabbed Sharif for a foul. Then after Sharif went up thinking he was going to get a foul call, which he didn't, he then like spiked the ball back in his face, which. Yeah, great. He has great recoverability because he's as athletic as he is. But that, I mean, that's, well, it's good that you can do that. It would be better, you know, if you didn't get beat off the dribble in the first place, which I think is part of the problem for Rajon. Just, he, I mean, it's, it sounds cliche to say, but he does look very good on like Instagram highlight reels due to the stuff he does. <laughs> he, he has incredible dunks. He, and like then he can get up for those blocks. I thought he actually probably one of the better things he did is he drew a lot of foul shots in summer league just by in a weird way off of put back attempts just because teams were shocked at where he's trying to put back dunks from. So I, I mean I do think he'll still have a place definitely in the G League and a team can definitely he'll definitely there will still be another team to probably take a flyer on him because if you have that kind of athleticism and aren't total again, like we're saying, like not a totally total non-shooter like teams will always talk themselves into it. I understand why it happened, but I, I will miss Rajon. He was definitely, a, definitely a very fun player to watch. Oh yeah. He, he made the warm up lines, uh, must see 
musty entertainment like his his dunks in pregame were were really fun to watch um so any any team that is uh lacking in the vibes department they're they're definitely going to give rajon a look or or if you're not lacking you just want more vibes yeah you can never have too many vibes exactly you, wasn't it didn't you write in like one of your first pieces about rajon like it was one of your first recaps that it looks like he is flubber in his shoes yes he will forever be the guy that introduced you to flubber so, so. <laughs> I don't know why the way that you said that. <laughs> so, so oh. if nothing else, Rajon Tucker has a special place in your heart for that. If nothing else, Tucker the Flubber. Yes, uh, per, I forget what Robin Williams' character's name is is in the in the movie. Otherwise, we could we could call him that. But yeah. Rajon Flubber Tucker. There you go. I, I very much enjoyed his tenure with the Sixers. May, may he find success elsewhere. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Uh, we also had Philip Petrushev, the Sixers 50 of the Royal Picks, signing with Andalou Efes. Uh, any other thoughts on that move? I mean, we knew that Petrushev was going to be playing overseas this year. Uh, and just like what you thought of him in the summer league generally? Well, we we suspected because that's what Maury had indicated, but uh, he, he kind of Petrusev himself kind of like indicated that he wanted to come over right away. And so it kind of became a, all right, well come to summer league, show us what you got kind of deal. And we, he just didn't, he didn't show nearly enough. Like he, he didn't hit a single three while he was here. Uh, he hit like one long jumper that I remember. Um, along too like so as a stretch five he's not he wasn't knocking that out of the park um like finishing wise he was very like hesitant and slow with his decision making around the basket um there was the one play uh might have been the minnesota game where Deshaun nix hit him with a really good pass off cut and instead of just going up fluidly and just finishing cleanly for an open layup, he kind of like really hesitated. The defender recovered. He started pivoting like a wild man and the possession just completely broke down. Um, There was a few instances like that where he was just really hesitant around, around the painted area. It's not the same possession, but I remember one that where he had like a wide open roll. And to be fair, Petrosev did get the ball on rolls up because that's one of the things he does better is he slips out of screens really early trying to get that space. He had a he had a nice cut off. Uh, it was one of the ones where Isaiah Joe threw him like a, one of those behind the bounce passes that we were all like, yeah. "Oh wow, where, where did that come from?" From Joe, but it was also a really nice cut and finish from Petrushev on on that play. But yeah, like in this in that game, he had one where he did finish the layup, but he turned it to like it's a kind of finish where an NBA level center should when he's that wide open, that near the rim, should just dunk the ball, and he had to go to like an awkward floater because he just does not have he just does not have burst horizontally or vertically at all just he is not exploding toward the rim like through the air like or and he is not getting up over people um i think the best thing he did in summer league was hit on defense just having good timing rotating toward the rim off ball like 
I I appreciate that as a center, he knew that his main job is protecting the rim. So he's always thinking, how can I like help my teammates if they get beat by a tiny seven, come over here and he made up for like, again, that lack of burst with good timing. Um, I'm not too worried about the shot just because I don't want to penalize the guy for you, you can. It's a, it's very hard to say, oh, we didn't make a jump this X amount of jump shots. And it's a four to five game sample and you're not getting a ton of shots. Like it's obviously like he doesn't, ha- he doesn't have a ton of run through him. Cause I mean, the point of the G league team mainly was to give Paul Reed, Jaden Springer, Isaiah Joe and Tyrese Maxey their reps. Like the offense was going to run through all four of them and not through Philip Petrushev. But yeah, yeah, for sure. yeah. But just the just the lack of athleticism is the biggest problem that he is tall and he is clearly like and I know that the selling point from is that his face up game is pretty good. And that, again, that he can hit those threes if you give him space. But it, it's just I think he would need to be better at those aspects of the game to make up for what he's taking away is just like he doesn't seem like he will be able to finish as an NBA center at the rim as well as he needs to. And that's just a very hard way to live in the NBA is if your weakness as a center is at rim finishing against NBA level athletes. So yeah, I think it all makes sense. Yeah. And it's not to say that he was terrible in summer yeah. league or anything. He was, it, a, he was the 50th overall pick and yeah. he definitely looks like he needs work, but he did not look like it wasn't like you watch him like, Oh man, like this, this probably won't be an NBA player someday. Yeah. It, it was just he to, to not go overseas for, for Daryl to say, oh, my God, you have to you have to stick around like we can't not have you this season. He would have had to been like overwhelmingly great. And he just he wasn't, which is, you know, it's fine. He was the 50th. As you said, he was the 50th pick in this most recent draft. So, uh, yeah, the like you said, the the shot blocking was encouraging. He showed good instincts and timing in that area. So if he can get to the point where even if he's not a great finisher around the basket, but he shoots 38% from three, like that's still a workable archetype for, for a backup stretch five type. Um, cause, cause he's not a zero on the defensive end. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's good that he, he got the the deal with Ephes, um, which is a step up in competition for him, uh, in, in Europe last he was playing in in Serbia previously so Ephes is the reigning Euroleague champ they're the the they're, team that wins wins the Turkish Super League every year they're, they're traditionally a very good team yeah so that, that's good he's gonna be playing some high level competition uh you know, Sixers fans might recall this that this was the team that Dario and uh and and Korkmaz have were both previous previously on at some point in the past uh, so I'm, it's I'm trying it, it, to remember if this is the team that Shane Larkin is on right now. I want to look this up. <laughs> see, Shane Larkin like turned into like he had like an insane season where he shot like 50%. Yes. Yes, he is on FS. Okay. Oh, okay. See, now I really want to watch this game. I want to see Shane Larkin and Philip Petrusev pick and rolls. There you go. So he's got a former NBA first round pick to guide him in his, you know, pick and roll development. So that, that'll be good for him. Um, yeah, so uh, it's, it's fine. Yeah. Go, go and refine your game for a year and we'll see you next summer in Vegas. And, uh, there's still no, no harm in taking a draft and stash guy like him at, at the 50th overall pick, like everything's, you know, basically exactly how, how you would hope it would be at this point. I thought you were about to say everything is fine. Like the opening sequence of the good place. If you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I do, yeah. Or, or I could have went. Everything is awesome, like a Lego movie. 
there, there's a few different directions we could have headed with that. But uh, and one last move for us to talk about: uh, the Sixers are have signed Grant Riller, who was with the Charlotte Hornets uh, G League team this past year. He was the 56th overall pick in the 2020 NBA draft, and someone that a lot of uh, draft Twitter and probably including myself were a bit higher on than where he got taken last year in the draft. So, uh, do you want to do you want to talk about the move, or should I start? <laughs> I, I think you're going to do the bulk of this because I know this was one of your guys in the draft last year. And you were you were even saying like he could have been an option with like the maxi pick. Right. Or or was that overshooting it? That was no, I thought that was about a that was a fair spot to take him back then. Uh, of course, he did not. We have not seen him a ton. He, in, in the last year in the G League, he in the G League bubble, he played 11 games and averaged 13 points per game. You know, there's not a ton on him. Uh, he's already 24 and a half years old, so not a younger player. You know, that is something to think about. Just it's wild that like um, again, him maxing the same draft class. He's about four years older than him. Um, but yeah, a lot of the selling point with him was with his ball handling ability. He's a guard out of Charl Charleston. He just he was able to create a lot of shots for himself in college because it was very hard for college defenders to stay in front of him with his dribble moves, especially like had a very good in and out move with some nice crossovers with was could like surprise him when he was willing to pull up. Um, and that really just that shot creation ability is why so many were high on him. Uh, he shot 55.4% inside the arc to senior, which is already very good, but he had shot like 62% the year before. So it's always a very good finisher when he got inside, just could really penetrate the shell of a defense. Um, there was like some one, I know one of the doubts on him was, uh, I think this was brought up by Mike Garibanov of the Stepian, who's an excellent follow on Twitter, just excellent draft coverage in all aspects of the game. Uh, how he was a little lower on him because he said guards from the conference he was in, the CAA, are just typically not as athletic as most college guards. And that's why he was able to kind of, quote unquote, dominate them with his ball handling ability that he just wasn't going to be able to do that against NBA level guards, which, I mean, we obviously haven't got to see too much of that yet, just playing against the G League. I mean, you we would probably expect he's not going to be in the rotation at this point just because I don't think the Sixers were signing him for that. No, it's a, a two-way guy that fits the the mold of what the Sixers do need if he becomes a fully actualized version of himself. Like, great ball handler, shot 46% from three in, you know, granted just 11 games in, in the G League. But, you know, so a guy that can really shoot it and – yeah, in college, he shot about 35.6% for his career. So he was always known as, like, shooting wasn't his main threat, but he was definitely not a – as a on-ball shot creator, he shot well enough from three that people weren't going under screens on him or anything. Right, yeah. So a guy that – if he can do that with the ball in his hands versus, like, a spot-up guy, that there's a lot of value in that in that kind of self-shot creation. Um, yeah, um, so, yeah, why not – if, if – if you didn't feel like Tucker was a guy that was going to pan out for you, you have that two-way spot. Why not take it on a guy like Riller who, you know, 24, but developmentally he hasn't had a lot of time at the professional level to, to, to work with, you know, top level developmental staffs and coaches and, and refine his game and, you know, has the, the broad skills in the, in the kind of categories and areas you're looking for, like, yeah, give it a shot. Um, yeah. He's not going to be part of the rotation. We're going to see him in Delaware and they're going to take a closer look at him. Um, but that that's what these two way deals are about. They're about 
taking taking chances on guys that could possibly help you down the road. So it's, it is kind of weird to say that. They, so they basically went Tucker out for Grant Earler in when they're such polar opposite players. Because I mean, I guess it makes sense, but because Reggie on Tucker, you know, is all athletic plus, but it's hard to trust him with the ball in his hands. Grant Earler is like again another knockout to me. He's not a standout athlete, like not on a vertical explosion. He, he, because his handle is so good, it looked like horizontally, like, or on the ground, he could get by guys. He wasn't, though, again, like, if they sent two defenders at him, he wasn't turning the corner. Like, there are some guys, like, Tyrese Maxey barely needs a dribble move just to get by some people because he's that fast. Grant Roller can definitely get by people. He just know, definitely has enough burst to do that, but he usually needs to proceed it with some complex dribble move that he can get someone with. So just, again, very different trade between a guy who all the athleticism you want, but just really hard to see the skill skills he needed like the skills he needed with the basketball hand weren't there to grant riller who clearly has a lot of talent and skill with the ball in his hands but just not a standout raw athlete yeah so i don't know if you've heard anything but why, why do you think charlotte like gave up on him so quickly he only played seven games with the big club last year. I mean, Obviously, I, I, I didn't really watch any of that to be honest. <laughs> so I, I just, I can't say. Yeah. Yeah. It's just kind of, I mean, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll find out as we get to see him in the, uh, the Sixers program and, and with the blue coats and everything, but yeah, just, just weird that it, a team would take a second round pick. I mean, uh, he was a late second round pick. So those are kind of, viewed as expendable sometimes but i mean that that's just basically the thing is that probably the nba as a whole since he was the 56 overall pick and whereas on both draft twitter boards he was like in the 20s and 30s like i just think he's viewed differently by the nba than he is but then he's from like as i would say these uh online scouts gotcha yeah well we'll see uh if if riller can prove the the nba community a little more wrong in the online scouting community a little more right as as he joins the uh the program here in philadelphia i i, I think it's kind of a no harm thing like if, if they had just kept tucker around no one would have thought twice about it and it didn't seem like tucker was going to pan out so it's not it's not like your your trade-off you're, you're not li- really losing anything by bringing riller into the fold and seeing what he could possibly do so one last question the most important of all have you watched the two new What If episodes? On <laughs> I watched the uh, Agent Carter one. I haven't watched the uh, T'Challa as Star Lord one yet. That one, that the second one was better because I, I watched it yesterday. Okay, yeah, I, I I I caught some of the stuff on Twitter about it. It did seem like it was very good, um, based well, on people's opinions. But just because yeah. the, the Black Panther and Guardians of the Galaxy characters, like Captain America, is a great great series like on its own like all the movies in it but it's more because just of how the movies are done than like the characters themselves i, I don't know if that makes sense where it's like yeah it's yeah. it's more it's a more wild thing where the black panther and guardians of the galaxy like sagas connect versus captain america switches from steve to peggy like that was yeah they they kept a lot of the same beats as exactly as the also the, Okay, first, so spo- first Avenger movie. Spoiler warning if you hadn't already again. If, it's just if you have not seen these on Disney Plus yet and you want to at some point, then just you can close the podcast here. But if you don't mind spoilers or if you haven't have seen them, but we're just gonna talk about it for a sec. Uh like 
Why didn't they have the actual Hydra Stomper then in the real Captain America, the first Captain America movie, if Howard Stark could make it? <laughs> that was my question all the time. It's like, wait, <laughs> so now we just, he built the Iron Man suit ahead of time? Wait, what the heck? Was Did it have to do with like when he was able to get the Tesseract? Like was, I, I, I could re- remember in the to, movie. Because then like the Tesseract, so... But would it was it needed to power the machine or yeah yeah so he got the tesseract but, the, but, then, the, the, but no but then they use the tesseract to open the portal at the end and then but then steve is still wearing the suit yeah because it could only the 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 charging station could only charge it enough for like 90 seconds of battle it, um, it still felt very weird to me that suddenly he could build an indestructible suit if he didn't do that back then so i could be totally remembering the movie is wrong but in my mind i viewed what if as peggy was better at being captain than steve was so she actually recovered the tesseract a lot more quickly and then howard was like oh i've had these plans around now i but i just needed this like crazy energy source that we didn't have access to but now we actually have access to it so i can use this thing that i've had like these plans i've had sitting around okay that's fair enough what was with the tentacle monster I don't know. That okay, was just... there, there we go. I got on that one. <laughs> like that, I was just like, huh. huh. Like, this is an interesting turn of events, I guess. Yeah, I think they just needed some way to quickly have it so that the, the parallel between Steve living his whole life without Peggy and then like they, they had to be able to do it in like a, a five minute end of episode thing where so that was that was a way for it to do it like a dimensional portal okay that, that, that's i mean that's how i thought it why it was included i guess again the second episode's good tell me when you've watched it and then we'll discuss <laughs> but uh right, yeah i think that's gonna do it for us today a shorter episode but uh hope we got to talk about some of the stuff that's gone with the sixers um probably getting into the more quiet time of the off season now as with you know the draft and summer league and free agency all wrapped up but, uh, you know, I mean, the, the schedule is just announced and I'm sure we'll get start to get into more preseason prognostications like as it approaches in late October. But, uh, yeah, thank you all for listening so much. And we will all talk to you next time. Yeah. Take care, everyone. And if there if there is something, you know, it's the, the off season. If there's some kind of like esoteric or off the wall thing you'd, you'd like us to, to go into. Um, yeah. Shoot us a message on on Twitter, either. Uh, at one of our personal accounts, I'm at Philly Fastbreak. You're at Dan Olinger or Dan uh, underscore Olinger. Yes, underscore is very important. Or um, we do have a uh, a podcast Twitter also. Do you, do you, do you check that enough for people to, that, to tweet at? That it? was an idea that started when the, <laughs> we we do not have to mention that. You asked me if I had the bandwidth. I was like sure, and then I didn't. Yes, I. I, I rightfully knew I did not have the bandwidth to do that. So, so tweet out our personal accounts if there, if there is something that you would like to uh, us to discuss in a future episode. That'd be great. Thanks for listening, everybody. 